How's it going? And welcome to episode 139 of On The Wire. Proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. Follow the pod on the Twitter at On The Wire Pod. I am Adam Howe. You can follow me at 8th grade. That's all spelled out. Kevin Hastings is at Hastings Kevin on the Twitter. And we are back once again. Uh, talk, you know, our, our pretty typical off-season banter. We kind of pick one kind of subject to kind of focus in on. Kevin, um, and we're finally getting some actual news to to sprinkle in there as well. So we'll get to that. So it some signings, a trade, like eh, it's fun to watch the, the 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 news kind of trickle in, especially when it happens like two or three in like two or three days straight. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, you know, many would say the tradition, unlike any other, occurs in April, but I think it occurs on the Wednesday prior to Thanksgiving when we get the pdf version of the baseball forecaster out as well so so there, there, there's not uh, a lack of things to do for baseball fans over the holiday weekend yeah yeah we um i know you did your quick gladiator uh last week uh my my slow gladiator just finished up um and it's funny i, I feel i felt much better about that draft <laughs> and um then i did about our own listener league both 15 teamers obviously rosters are a little bit different but um felt a little different a l- little bit better it's nice to get you know that second draft under your belt um and we should have our first 12 team listener league filled at probably hopefully while we're recording all our invites are out we're just waiting for the last two to hit the little register button um so who knows betting on our kds uh, every registers quickly. Maybe one of us will have um, our first round pick on the clock when we uh, while we're recording. That would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want uh, I want uh, a couple of uh, trips to the computer on yep. Thanksgiving. That, yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> one of those things. Well, I, you're going to the bathroom a lot. <laughs> it's a turkey. I'm sorry. Exactly. I'm sorry. It's a turkey. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm on the turn. I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Got to get your excuses ready now. Um, all right. Like I said, we got a lot of uh, news and notes to talk about. Things have been trickling in, and then we're going to talk a little bit about some uh, injury plagued players that uh, either ended the season on a low note in the injury uh, realm or have already gone through some kind of uh, early off season surgery, um, and kind of. Test the waters, Kevin, about where, how you feel about where you're drafting them. If you're drafting them, again, we'll play my favorite game. We'll play a little ask um, and see where you're drafting these guys, depending on the the platform or the the type of league you're in. But first, let's get into some of these signings that came in. First and foremost, the big one, Aaron Nola. He's staying in Philadelphia probably for the rest of his career at this rate, unless uh, you know a trade goes through, you know, halfway through. Um, Seven years added on to his time in Philadelphia. I, I can't imagine this changes really much. Um, the only thing that I kind of look at this as it's it's always nice to see um, the the team that the player's been on for a long time stay with that team. It gives me more confidence. We talked about this with Kershaw um, last week, um, where if the, anybody but the Dodgers sign him, you said this last year, like I'm you know, not as interested. Uh, Nola, not really an injury concern per se, uh, you know, but has a lot of innings on that arm. Uh, but at the same time, it's still nice to see that the confidence of his his team 
um, was there to sign him for such a long term deal. Uh, is your opinion of Nola changed due to this signing? Um, how are you? How are you looking at him in drafts? Uh, it's changed slightly. I don't think I'd have been worried about him anywhere he went, but uh, I'm not worried at all now uh, for for reasons you gave and and just the you know being comfortable and this is the team he knows uh i i think this is one player where when you look at projections i typically say that there there's not a lot i want to change unless i want to adjust the playing time and then adjust on the per inning or per at bat basis however with Aaron Nola, and, and we know the, the every other year thing with Aaron Nola, right? Well, two of the last three years have been the odd number of years where his his underlying skills have been the same. His ERA has been inflated. So his e- ERA projections, I think, are probably on the high side. Um, Steamer has him at a, a 3.8 ERA, but that's taken into account a 4.46 and a 4.63 in two of the last three seasons. So I think you can probably lean a little lower than that uh, when you're uh, thinking about Aaron Nola and other players you might be considering at the same time in a draft. You're two drafts in the books, Kevin, and two and a half drafts in the books, if I'm not mistaken for you. Uh, you have Nola anywhere? I do not. I've been waiting longer than that on pitching. Yeah. Oh, in general. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how, like, I know the whole odd, even thing. I don't, in the two drafts I've completed so far, Nola's not on either one of them. He's not a target of mine right now. And part of it was the free agency, but also just, I, you know, I, you, you can only buy in, you can only buy into that whole odd, even narrative so much, right? It's like, it's just a fun thing, fun little coincidence to look at. Uh, I mean, I mean, much Manny Machado's uh, batting average kind of fit the same bill for a long time uh, for like four or five years. I feel like every other year he was hitting like 300 and every other year he was hitting like 250. Um, and so I don't know. Noah just hasn't been one of those guys that um, I've been targeting. I don't know that this will make me target him more, but I, it will make me um, less concerned. Um, so it's kind of mimic, uh, mirroring a lot of the things that you said um, about any kind of concerns I might have had probably out the window um, it, or didn't really change that much at all. Uh, another signing, right. though, uh, of somebody. Who, yeah, and w- one oh, more real quick thing on on Nola. And, and it's not that I'm necessarily buying into the every other year thing. Sure. It's just that two of the three years were the inflated ERA. So those are being factored in, mm-hmm. uh, especially the most recent year, into his projection pretty strongly. So I, I think the projection projected ERA could be a little high. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, that's a good point because most of these projections yeah, are taking just the last three years worth of data. All right, like I said, uh, one next another signing that came in for at least multi years, uh, going changing teams once again. Reynaldo Lopez he signed a three year deal with Atlanta, um, and Atlanta has said that they plan on stretching him out as a starter to begin twenty twenty four. I should mention it's very important important clause in all of these free agent signings in Atlanta. He will be donating one percent of his salary. Uh, to the Atlanta Braves Foundation, um, or whatever the name of their foundation is. Um, that 
was a interesting wrinkle I've been seeing in all of these press releases. Um, I don't know that he had much of a choice in the matter, um, but uh, it's nice of him to do that, right? Uh, so I have two questions regarding that. I mean, knowing that Ronaldo Lopez is going to at least start spring training, if not the regular season, as a starting pitching option, as a rotation option for Atlanta, um, does you know is he does this put him on your radar for a late draft pick um especially with what Atlanta went through this year with health and and opportunities arising in that rotation um or is it just bound are they just bound to sign Lucas Giolito by default um and then that would just kick uh, Reynaldo Lopez out of the rotation i think that's just kind of it's part of his contract right I don't think I want him in my lineup if he is in the starting rotation. Now, he could have made other changes, obviously, but he wasn't good until he left the starting rotation. Uh, the ERAs in his career in the years he was starting games, 491, 472, 391 in 2018, the only good one or decent one, 538, 649. His ERAs didn't drop below four other than that 391 in 2018 until 2021 when he became a reliever 343 276 327 and we we know pitchers can throw with more max effort as a reliever we know pitchers that have trouble with command can have more success as relievers and i think that's ronaldo lopez i don't want any part of him as a starter (laughs) <laughs> of course, I joke about Lucas Giolito coming to take that job. They just seem to have been uh, handcuffed um, as they move around the league right. uh, <laughs> over the last, you know, their entire career. Um, of course, most recently being traded together uh, to uh, the, to Anaheim and then to Cleveland as well. Um, of course, uh, I added this last second, though, Kevin. Um, Atlanta made room for the possibility of Reynaldo Lopez entering rotation by trading away Mike Soroka to the White Sox and for um, Aaron Bummer. And then Kyle Wright traded to your Kansas City Royals. Um, do you... Is this a, oh no, the Atlanta has no faith in them uh, to stay healthy or to produce? Um, I'm not touching them kind of like a Tampa Bay syndrome that we might have um, or are, are you excited to see what their new teams can do with them? You know, I'll, I'll say that with as big of a grain of salt as I can in regard to the Chicago White Sox. Uh, but your can't, but Kansas city has obviously had some up and down success rates, um, especially with pitchers they've traded for. Of course, I'm talking about Cole Reagan's. Right. And they have history with Atlanta. They do a, a lot of trading back and forth. And even with Dayton Moore gone now, uh, who who came to Kansas City from the Atlanta organization, they, they, they still work out things. And, and you see quite a bit of player movement between the two teams. Uh, a pitcher from Atlanta that had great success in Kansas City, not quite what he was before his injuries in Atlanta was Mike Miner. Uh, that's what I'm hopeful here with Kyle Wright. And they did the same thing with Mike Miner, although I don't believe it was in trade, but it was, uh, they, they signed him as a free agent for two years, knowing he was going to miss the entirety of the first Mm -hmm. season of that deal. So I'm hopeful with Kyle Wright. I'm also, also excited to see what, uh, Atlanta can do with Jackson Coar. We know how talented he was, uh, coming out of the draft and, uh, Kansas city's pitching development, um, 
it leaves a lot to be desired. Let's put it that way. So I'm excited to see what they can do with him as well. Soroka to the White Sox. Soroka just hasn't. Right? He didn't even look good in the minor leagues this past year. And going to the White Sox organization that I don't have any confidence in. So um, uh, Kyle Wright, obviously not going to help Kansas City in 2024. Uh, but I, I am excited to see what maybe can he can do in 2025. Not much interest in Soroka and very interested in seeing what Atlanta might be able to do with Jackson Coar. So I had to add this one in, too, because we're talking about Kansas City. Um, of course, we have uh, the um, Rule 5 draft coming up in a little while. Uh, but we know that Asa Lacey, former, I think, fourth overall draft pick, um, not protected um by Kansas City and knowing the pedigree that he at least brings to the table due to his high draft slot um does th- he's going to get drafted in the rule 5 draft that's pretty ob- I I mean I think that's maybe it's not obvious they didn't protect him maybe they know something we don't I'm assuming he will drafting right now does that make him more in, uh, in, in interesting to you to draft in anything above a DC uh, or in a, you know a draft and hold style, um, knowing he's going to be on a major league roster, and who knows what kind of role he would have. No, I think they, I think Kansas City thinks he'll clear waivers and remain with the team. I don't, I don't think he needs to be protected. Um, you know, he didn't pitch in twenty twenty three, and so and, and is what he's got. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80 innings so far over 2021 and 2022 uh, with the ERA approaching double digits. So I don't think they're worried about losing him. Uh, I think they fully expect him to still be with the organization, but I don't have any interest in him for 2024 at all. Fair enough. All right. uh, Another signing, uh, a couple of one-year deals going to St. Louis. This is just St. Louis's bag right um let's just find the <laughs> oldest starting pitchers that are on uh, on the that are want that want to be signed uh, let's sign them on for a one one and i'll call it a one and a half year deal for both these guys because they both got team options attached uh lance lynn and kyle gibson both sign one year deal with a team option for 2025 um which of the two, like which I mean, pitching in St. Louis has typically been a positive thing, at least from, you know, just looking at it from the outside. I'm like, oh, good. Like we talk about like, hey, where do we want a pitcher to, to sign if they sign in St. Louis? All right. Pretty, pretty happy about this. Like the offense is, you know, minus last year. It's been pretty good. They can hold their own. Um, the pitching park has been positive. Um but these guys, obviously, Kyle Gibson, you don't really know what to expect from any given day. It doesn't matter who he's facing. He could be facing Oakland and get blown up, and he could be facing Houston, and he could, you know, stroll right through. Uh, Lance Lynn, we are all well aware. You know, anybody who's drafted more than, I don't know, more than five teams last year probably had Lance Lynn at least on one of them. <laughs> and they, you, so you live through the Lance Lynn experience of 2024. Knowing all that and going into 20, sorry, of 2023, going into 2024, which one of these guys do you trust more in, uh, in a St. Louis uniform? Can I, can I answer this, uh, in spring training? 
<laughs> I would say we, we're not playing uh, the game. There it, are no rules to this question. You can answer yeah, however you like. <laughs> it, it's it's uh, it, it really depends on the the velocity we see out of Lance Lynn. I mean, uh, Eno Saris has been talking for years about the ninety four miles an hour being the key point for him um, with with his four seam fastball, and he's down to to 92 in 2023 if that's what we see in, in in spring training or even lower in that and think that 92 92 and a half is as high as he's going to get built up to then kyle gibson is my answer if if we see you know 92 and a half 93 expecting lance lynn to build up to 94 95 uh early in the season then then he's my answer it all depends on the velocity i see out of lance lynn when we start seeing spring training games uh fair enough all right uh last little uh signing that we got here on the notes here um back into the lineup paul de uh signs a one-year deal with the chicago white Sox, making their Middle infield, um, Paul DeYoung and Nicky Lopez um, at second base, uh, of course, you know, puts a little bit more of a guarantee that Tim Anderson is going to find a new uniform next year. You know, maybe not not a guarantee, but I think, you know, just the fact that they were to sign somebody um, that they could put uh, put there for the whole season. So the question is, though, is Paul DeYoung going to be the starting shortstop for the Chicago White Sox come opening day? It looks that way right now. They would have to make another move. Like you said, it's their middle infield is Paul DeYoung and Nicky Lopez, uh, the way things look. And they're, they're, they're cutting money. Um, I, we might see Brian Ramos uh, at some point in 2024. He was playing mostly third base in the Arizona Fall League. So I don't think that shakes this up much. And so as, as of now, I don't see them spending much money or uh, making any big deals, bringing in a, a, a veteran starter. Uh, they just did that. It's Paul DeYoung. So we, mm-hmm. we could see him for quite some time. Uh, and if we know in spurts, in spurts, his power is real. Uh, it, it comes with a batting average drain, but it, in deep leagues, he's probably going to get the at-bats the thing is is that there's not a ton of star power shortstops on the market still paul young might have been it yeah (laughs) um it was last year yeah and they were and they and they all signed and they all signed long-term deals um even carlos correa took him a little bit but he finally got there uh i mean the guy that stands out as that that they could sign that would just of course be the most feel like it would be the most White Sox move ever is they could still sign Aldemarto Mondesi. Um, and I feel like that kind of fits the bill. Like, let's just throw some stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Um, Mondesi didn't play a game for the Red Sox all season. Um, you know, he could, if he's still interested in playing, he's going to have to sign some kind of prove it deal uh, somewhere. And not a lot of teams are going to be willing to do that, but the White Sox could be that team. And if he were to prove it, Obviously, it becomes a trade chip um, in July. I'm pretty much wherever Mondesi signs, he's probably a trade chip in July if he's, you know, has some kind of semblance of health. Unless he actually signs on with a, you know, a contender already and they're just trying to, you know, find magic in a bottle. Yeah, but will he get the playing time with a contender? I think he needs to, like you said, I think he needs a prove it deal with a team. Uh, 
that that's going to mm-hmm. play him. And I think most contenders probably aren't going to throw him in the starting lineup right away. Yeah. And that going to give him, yeah, a prove it kind of deal that he's going to want to get along or at least to get a better yeah. deal in 2025. Um, all right. So a couple signings that was nice. Um, but what was even nicer is to see a mid, you know, I'll say mid November trade happen. So a trade happening before Thanksgiving, not just a rumor, but an actual pen to paper changing uniforms. Uh, Seattle gets a couple of bullpen arms in Carlos Vargas and Sebi Zavala. Um, and so that's nice that they're able to take off the books Eugenio Suarez and free up third base. A lot of the rumors swirling around that is, of course, they, now they have the opportunity to sign one of the free agent third basemen to kind of fill that role. But we see Suarez going to Arizona. He fills in um, that spot for the defending National League champions. Uh, good move, bad move for Suarez as far as fantasy. He is he's filled my utility slot on my Gladiator team. Um, Suarez usually plays quite a few games throughout the season. Uh, so I wasn't worried about that. It was a nice little power bump. And um, I'm not too worried about him moving from Seattle to Arizona as far as park factors go. Um, but and, and I don't see a whole lot of competition for him at, at the hot corner there. What's your take with uh, Suarez in Arizona? Uh, I'm going to be very careful and and it goes to something you just said, the park factors, because overall park factors over the past three years, when you look on StatCast, Seattle's dead last in the league, uh, and Arizona mid pack at like 16. However, what do we draft in a, you know, (laughs) Eugenio Suarez for power, home runs. (laughs) Seattle mid pack, right? Uh, just under league average. They're a 98, 100 being league average. And Arizona, 26th, well below average for home runs. So the park factor move overall is good. But for what we want Suarez for, it's very bad. So I uh, have been a fan of Suarez in the past, but this is a bit concerning to me. Also, there's a guy by the name of Jordan Lawler that uh, (laughs) if he comes up, we're probably looking at at, at third base uh, being taken away. That Suarez could DH a little bit, but I think this is a depth insurance move by Arizona, and I don't like the park factor. So this this is dropping Suarez down my list quite a bit. Um, it is, there's something to be said about, you don't play all of your games at home. Um, and at least a handful of games where is going to get in Colorado, uh, you know, in, in LA, um, in in the rest of the national league West. So there's something to be said about that. You don't hold your hat on that, that obviously that's not the deciding factor. It's nice to see somebody move into the NL West so that, you know, you get at least a handful of games in Colorado. Uh, so that's nice. And then we don't usually bring it up, but I figured it's it's worth you know just throwing out there it, whether or not you're worried about it, where you're you're monitoring it, especially while you're drafting now because anything can happen. Um, we started seeing the rumors swirl that the the Toronto Blue Jays very well may be shopping Bo Bichette in a trade. The most recent one that came through is the possibility of Bo Bichette being traded to the Chicago Cubs, where he would 
possibly be playing third base instead of shortstop, obviously, with uh, um, that, that position already filled with a long-term deal there. Um, are you... When you see rumors like this and news like this, are you more worried about the pl- the, the player in question, in this case, Bo Bichette, or the team in where they kind of feel the team that he would be leaving behind in this case, Toronto um, and where they're at as far as are, are other players going to get moved? What do we do with, you know, George Springer with, you know, is Vlad going to get not sign a long-term deal if he's going to get moved? Um, where's your head at when you see rumors like this? This makes Absolutely no sense at all to me. I do not see this happening. He's already signed for his arbitration years. Mm-hmm. He's making yeah, yeah. $11 million a year for two more seasons, 2024 and 2025. Uh, that's cheap for anybody, let alone somebody like Bo Bichette, who other than not running, and he, he dropped drastically in his stolen base attempts in 2022 from 2021 as well. That continued to drop, but the power was still there. The runs, the RBI is still there. He hit over 300. Um, as far as a, a fantasy player, other than not getting the stolen bases, uh, I think the the talk of it being a disappointing year for Bichette is, is way overblown. Uh, I, I don't see this happening. I really don't. Unless there's something going on internally with the organization and him not getting along with teammates or coaching staff, I, I, I do not see this happening at all. Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, then sure. This is a one time. It's a, it's a one deal done okay cool we'll use it to restock some other position of need or whatever because like you said the value that he brings at least from a you know managerial standpoint from you know a business standpoint is you could have your pick of whoever you want right um or do i want a player that's going to help me fill a gap somewhere else or do i want you know high-end prospects what you know you get your pick of the litter when it comes to um trading somebody in that situation, like we see Boba Shett. Uh, but if it is it'd just be different, a- if Toronto really needed pitching, right. Then maybe we'd understand it. If that's what they were going after. Sure. If they're going but, a complete opposite but, direction, but yeah. with Gossman, Barrios, Bassett, Kikuchi, um, it, it's, it, it's, it's not pitching thereafter. So yeah, I, I just don't see this happening. Yeah. If they wanted, if they wanted to fill a different position, they just asked Boba Shett to go move positions. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think the other rumors go not rumors around, but there's just the thought process that I've seen going around. is just well, maybe Toronto realizing how well and how quickly Baltimore moved up the AL East, you know, as bad as the, as a final record as the Red Sox and the Yankees had. They you know don't have bad teams and they are still the Red Sox and the Yankees. It's still the AL East um, and Tampa Bay is still Tampa Bay. Like the the, you know, is this really their window? And so I, I, I get it from that perspective. It's like, hey, you got to realize where your opportunities lay. And if the opportunity isn't in the next you know, two years during his you know, contract, um, maybe is this the most value you're going to get? And if you're going to do that, that's a domino that's going to that's going to I was going to say other then dom- it's where you were trying to lead to. Everybody's mm-hmm. going if that's the case. Exactly. That, that exactly. would be insane. 
So, you know, we'll see what happens. I, if, if you're ever going to be able to compete with those teams, isn't it with this core they have now? Oh, if absolutely. You're giving up, if you're giving up yeah. now, then then why why Never even try. play? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why even play the game? <laughs> yeah, this is this, this. It would be Oakland all over again, right? If oh, that geez. happens, and and, and probably worse than Oakland if they let them all go at once. I, I don't see it happening. Yeah. All right. Well. That's uh, a lot more news than we had to talk about last week, even threw in some rumors in there as well, just for fun's sake. But let's get we're going to get into some talk regarding some injuries concerns that we have. And as we're drafting, it is something you obviously have to consider, especially when you're drafting with literally no information um, in October, November, December drafts. Uh, before we do that, I do have to talk to you a little bit about our sponsor that we have for the show uh, this week. Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Factor. Um, This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, they can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, you'll eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos, which I'm sure are plentiful for everybody. Um, if you're too busy with holiday plans to cook but want to make sure you're eating well, factor with Factor, you could skip the extra trip to the grocery store, the chopping, the prepping, cleaning up, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. When you're too busy running around to plan lunch, Factor has you covered with lunch-to-go, effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls, salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. So in this November, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. With Factor, you can be rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% the delivery emissions and source 100% renewable electricity from their production sites and offices. They're ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. So head to factormeals.com slash OTW50 and use code OTW50 to get 50% off. That's code OTW50 at factormeals.com slash OTW50 to get 50% off. There's also a link in the show description. Enjoy your holidays with Factor. All right, Kevin, uh, now that I got that out of the way, thanks for listening to that. You know, you don't normally get to listen to our, our, our ad plugs there, so that's uh, that's nice. Um, <laughs> usually, you just plug them in. Uh, but let's get back into the topic at hand here. We're talking about players that are either returning from injury into starting in 2024. Um, a couple players went through and we'll get into some of these specific players a little bit um had you know they they finished off the regular season and then literally the next minute they went under the knife for one thing or another uh jazz chisholm jr um manny machado a couple other guys that we're going to talk to come to mind other guys got shut down at the end of the year um you know we talked about frankie montas coming back for like an inning and a third um so that was nice to see uh we'll get in um Zagnito what came back at the very end of the year as well for the Angels. Um, but as I alluded to earlier, like we we see a headline for when they go in for surgery and then we don't hear anything forever. I mean, remember I remember when Max Muncie hurt his uh hurt his 
non-throwing elbow. No, it was a throwing elbow. Um, and we didn't hear about it until like, you know, two months into the offseason. We were like, wait, what? <laughs> What's going on? What are you doing to stay informed or like not go crazy not knowing what's going on? It's tough. Uh, I mean, I I look at the the same sites that that most everybody does, trying to stay as updated as possible. Uh, I did, I do follow uh, as many um, team beat writers as I can on on Twitter x whatever we're calling it Mm -hmm. and sometimes i can get information there but it's difficult um these days it's we all have access to the same information and if somebody finds something uh unless they are very very good at, at keeping things close to the vest and 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 not spreading news they find uh i don't think that's most people i think we we all get the same information. So it's tough just scouring around. Jeff Zimmerman's minding the news. I know it's going to come up uh, later in the show. Uh, great spot to to check out and, and, and try to find information. And that's really all we can do. That's really the must uh, spot to like just be, yeah. if it's not bookmarked, you know, it should be one of the top things in your search engine. Um, you know, if you start auto filling your Google search bar um, with an M mining the news should come, should come up. If it's not, you should change that. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree. I was hoping that for whatever reason you've been holding something back from me and you would have something (laughs) else to (laughs) give to me here. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think it's just really frustrating, obviously when it's like you get so much information in season, if anything happens to somebody you, you know about it. You usually know how their rehab is going or this or that, unless your name's Luis Robert and you you play for the White Sox. Um, then you're just not sure what's going on. Um, it, but it's really frustrating in the offseason where it's like, you know, players are human beings. They're living their life. They're living at home. They're not being scrutinized, at least for the you know three months between when baseball season ends and the new year uh, turns turns over. Uh, and so doing these early drafts, not knowing what, how, like, like the players that I talked about earlier that we know had surgery in the last note you see on any of those, uh, any of those little news items is expected to be ready for opening day. Cool. <laughs> that's all I can go by. I'm like, all right, There's well, the last, the last word I got was then. positive. um yeah like how much of a grain of salt do you take something like that or how much do you weigh it when you're like i just i just drafted man machado in my gladiator um at third base because there's a pretty decent cliff at third base right around when you would have to draft manny machado um and i didn't want to fall off that cliff to be honest i didn't want to take that risk Uh, but i took enough of a risk just by drafting him in the first place how much of that risk are you willing to take on specifically in a gladiator where you know you're going to have to play this guy and all these guys that you draft uh, all year long? I think Machado's a little different than, than many. Uh, I think this is uh, something that the, the surgery will repair and he'll come back fine. Now the timeline may be a little bit in question, but I, I think even if he's not ready for the beginning of the season or not ready to play full time right as the season begins at the end of March. I don't think it's going to be long. Uh, 
uh, I, I'm pretty comfortable with Manny Machado uh, right now and taking the, the little bit of a discount that we're getting on on Manny Machado. Uh, other players where, where it's chronic things and uh, it seems like it, it keeps happening over and over again, especially soft tissue injuries. We know those tend to, to recur more than uh, other types of injuries. Uh, that's more worrisome. So it, it, it really depends on the injury, uh, when the surgery took place, uh, when, when we hear a timetable of four to six weeks or four to eight weeks, don't ever plan on having them back in four weeks, uh, <laughs> or, you know, at least the expectation should be the high end of the timetable, uh, especially if they're going to go on a rehab assignment or, or miss spring training. So that, that, that is the biggest thing for me. Don't ever think it's going to be the short end of the timetable. If it is great icing on the cake, but don't ever plan on it. The recency bias is tough though, man. It's like, you see somebody <laughs> like you see Bryce Harper come back, which, you know, earlier than anybody expected him to come back from Tommy John surgery. Um, but he hit then, one home run in three months. <laughs> you got to remember that part of it. You do, no, right. I don't. I don't Bryce have Harper. to. I don't have to remember that <laughs> when I'm still drafting him at the end of a first or round or beginning of the second round. No, I don't have to. Um, I think we're fine for 2024, but it didn't yeah. work out so great in 2023, even with him coming back earlier than we expected. But you see that, and then you see somebody who's went through almost, you know, exactly the same thing, and Jason Dominguez you know, having some version of Tommy John surgery. Um, and then you get conflicting reports about how long he's going to miss out. Um, and now, you know, the most recent thing that I found is, you know, don't expect them back until like all-star break. Um, but that was what, you know, kind of what we expected out of Bryce Harper. He, Jason Dominguez, a lot younger. Well, not a lot. He's younger than Bryce Harper. Uh, you, you know, you would hope that he could, you know, come back from this kind of a surgery or from any kind of surgery, um, any kind of injury, um, a little bit quicker, maybe. Uh, you know, do you do you allow the recency bias of somebody like Bryce Harper coming back early, uh, whether he produced or not, whatever? But he came back when considering drafting and I, I want to bring up Dominguez specifically because he's not on my on we're not his name's not on the list of the game we're going to play so drafting somebody like this is that something worth um I don't think he got drafted my gladiator and I think that's for good reason I wouldn't touch him in a gladiator but is that a wild card of enough of a play to maybe that's a guy you put into your utility and that helps you you know if he does come back early that helps you that bumps you up I don't think so. No. I, I one, I think that I think I think the age, yes, he should probably be able to heal uh, a little more quickly or at least as quick as as somebody several years older than him like Bryce Harper. However, the team is much less likely to push him. Right? The Phillies needed Bryce Harper. They were planning on going back to the World Series. They he's needed Bryce Harper paid. to do that. <laughs> yeah, and he's already getting paid. Jason Dominguez is a future asset right now. Uh, they've they, he got his cup of coffee. He's he's but very little from him. Every his value to the New York Yankees is what he could provide in the future. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him till September. I really wouldn't. I, I could, you know, if he's going to be back, 
I, I've heard everything from All Star Break to August. If it's August, and then he goes out, the, I, I don't think he goes straight to the New York Yankees. I say nice long healthy. rehab assignment. Yeah, nice long sure. rehab assignment. Get him in there in September, and they still have six years of control of Jason Dominguez. That's what I think is going to happen. That's probably fair. All right. Well, I mean that you can only take on so much risk, regardless of if you're going after a wild card like that or a guy who, you know, even if you assume May Machado is going to come back and it's going to be fine, you still can only take on so much of that um, throughout your course of your draft, regardless, almost regardless of your format. Um, maybe you can take a little bit more risk in a fab league where you can make up the the mistakes when more news comes out through spring training in the first couple of fab periods, but at the same time, absolutely. Um, you know, how much, how, you we, know, how much is too much with, we, we take risks with injured players. Uh, we're, we're all different in our threshold for risk for injured players. We also take risks with prospects yes. and all of our thresholds are different on how much risk we'll take there. Why take both risks in the same player? That's the way I'm looking at oh, it. Fair with enough. Dominguez yeah, yeah. Going back to Dominguez. Yeah. 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 Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to remember that the risk is the same. It's like, oh, well, I can take this much risk in injured players. And then also I can take this much risk in uh, prospects. It's the same risk. <laughs> um, yes. You can only take so many of them. So just keep that in mind. Um, unless you're in our 12 team listener league, uh, which I, you know, I haven't gotten the ding yet. So I'm assuming it hasn't filled yet, which is unfortunate. Um, you can make all the mistakes you want. Um, you can take <laughs> as much risk as you like in that one. All right, Kevin, let's get into our game. Then we'll get some, some player discussions, specific players. I mentioned a couple of them so far to give you a preview, um, but we got a whole lot more to get into. We are going to do that right after this quick break. All right, let's get into ask. Of course, that is avoid stream keep. Are right, turning in a injury edition um, for for this week? Uh, quick rules: there are three players in each group. Kevin, um, you did a good job last week of abiding by the rules. I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that again this this time. You've got to pick one player that you would avoid in all circumstances. Um, so I say you wouldn't even draft them in a draft champion style draft. Uh, you have one player that you can stream and more likely this is a player you would draft. Uh, you could you could not draft in a fab league, and you, but you would pick him up in a fab period. Um, you, you could also say that this is a guy that you would draft in the late rounds of a draft champions. He would be on your bench in a draft and hold. Um, so that you could stream them in there throughout the course of the season. And then there's a guy you would keep. This is a guy you have to start. You have to draft, thus start all the year long in a gladiator format. Um, obviously, you got to think about lots of different things where we're talking about these players, the type of injuries, uh, their injury history, how much time you expect them to miss, if any at all, to start the season. Um, you know, what kind of performance that you would expect to get them to get back from them a la Bryce Harper, as you mentioned earlier, um, or they, or do you expect them to hit the ground running right away? A lot of things to talk about the need of said player. You talked about that with Jason Dominguez uh, for their team, uh, what kind of role they would play when they came back, if they were to come back. So lots of things to think about. We'll get into all of that. Let's get into, uh, I'm going to jump around, I think. I'm going to start closer to the top of the draft board here. Um, on our sheet, it's group two. We've got the off-injured Jazz Chisholm Jr., 
He uh, had he dealt with some turf toe throughout the course of the season, elected not to have surgery until the end, uh, until the season ended, hoping that he could help the Miami Marlins in the playoffs. That did not happen. So, of course, early October rolled around and he had surgery on his to repair his turf toe. Uh, Manny Machado talked about him a lot already. He had early October surgery repair at his extensor tendon in his right elbow. Yes, he is right-handed, so that's something you have to consider as well. Um, and then Nolan Arenado, he ended the season on the IL with a back injury. And um, based on his performance throughout the course of the season, you have to assume that you know he was dealing with some kind of injury, whether it's to his back or something else, uh, throughout the course of the season on and off. Um, of course, these names and pretty much every other name um, – come from Jeff Zimmerman's other piece of work that he does at the beginning of every offseason. Uh, players who probably or were reported playing through some sort of injury. Uh, so check that out for a full list. Uh, Jeff does a great job compiling that every year. Um, and we're only going to be talking about hitters in this episode. Um, it's just if you're hoping I had a group of pitchers later on, this is only going to be hitters here, Kevin. Uh, but there's your three players that you, I'm going to ask you how you would draft these guys. Jazz Chisholm Jr., Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado, a couple of third basemen, out now an outfield-only Jazz Chisholm mixed in there as well. What do you got? This one's pretty tough. Um, this is a, a ceiling or floor question for me. And with a... Uh, I, I'm not avoiding Nolan Arenado, but he is my avoid for, for this group. And then it's a ceiling or floor, both with a little bit of concern. As I mentioned, when, when you say you drafted Manny Machado, I, I'm not concerned that this is a lingering deal. The only concern is the timeline. Do we get him right away? Even if we don't, I think it's early in the season. He he's He's the smart answer here for drafting a gladiator. The upside play is Jazz, Chis- Jazz Chisholm. Uh, and I have drafted Jazz Chisholm. I believe it was at the 3 4 turn of uh, a 15 team league, I think is, is where I took him. Uh, it, and that is an, it, it's an upside play. I mean, he had more home runs, one more home run. And one less stolen base. He went 19 and 22 in only 383 plate appearances in 2023. He he was one home run shy uh, of going 2020. Um, the batting average, very stable with, with Jazz Chisholm. Uh, we've seen 248, 254, 250 the last three seasons. Write him down for 250. If it's better, great. I doubt it's worse, especially if he's healthy. Um, but he he's getting these numbers in uh, 125 less plate appearances than he had those same numbers as a rookie. He's still only 25 years old. He He's a if he gets 600 plate appearances, easy 30, 30 guy and could approach 40, 40. That's the talent we're looking at with jazz Chisholm. So it really depends on at that point in your draft and him and Machado going about the same spot. You want the safe player. You want the upside play. I think in most cases, I'm probably taking the upside play with jazz Chisholm here. Uh, 383 plate appearances in spite of the injuries, right? He didn't kill you. Um, yeah, sure. We we wanted more, but 
somebody else in his spot the rest of the time, you did okay uh, with with that draft pick if you drafted him for 2023. Uh, I think that's the way I would go. But like I said, the smart smart moves probably Machado. Yeah, uh, my gladiator, like I mentioned, got Machado, my starting third baseman. Well, yeah, he's my starting third baseman all season. Obviously, that's how the format works. Uh, picked him at the top of the fifth round. So at the four or five turn, I had the uh, I was on that side of the turn. Chisholm won the same round, but on the opposite side. I will say what's interesting about this round was that there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine pitchers taken between Machado and Chisholm and only so two other are very close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there are only two other uh, position players in between. So yeah, they basically yeah. went four spots apart from each other. Uh, the way I look at it. Um, exactly. So yeah, like you mentioned, Arenado two rounds later, um, but these guys uh, very close and that's why they're grouped together. Of course, obviously none of these guys are streamable. They're all drafted in the top, you know, seven, eight rounds and that's why you have to be a little bit more flexible in the rules of the game for for these top. Of, I almost did like a a Shohei, Jordan, uh, Aaron Judge grouping, um, and I yeah decided you know that's you originally had that in the rundown. Yeah, I, yeah. I will bring it up there. Uh, my my choice was going to be simply Shohei is the most fun to watch. He's the one I'm drafting. They all have the same concerns. They're all going early in drafts. That that would have been my answer. Yeah, yeah. You can avoid any of them you really want to, but it won't be by yeah. your choice though. Based on right, <laughs> based on your draft, you can only that's, get one of them unless you're in an auction. Yeah, <laughs> that's the answer. Um. All right, let's go back up to the top. Then here we'll go for way further down the draft board here. Um, with this grouping with Anthony Rizzo, who dealt with concussions for pretty much the entire second half of the season, whether or not the Yankees actually put him on the IL was a whole nother can of worms. Uh, but he did end the season, of course, on the IL due to concussions, did not finish the season um, on the active roster. Uh, Zach Nito of the Angels, uh, he did end the season on the IL with a back injury. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He came back from a back injury. Um toward the very end of the season. So it was nice to see him come back get into your production. The Like it goes into your notes about Bryce Harper. What kind of production do we actually see when he comes back? Um, and then CJ Cron ended the year on the IL with his own lower back inflammation. Um, so whether it's CJ Cron with his back um, injured at the end of the season, Nito with his back during the season or Anthony Rizzo with his concussion concerns, um, yeah, how how do these guys fall? Um, I'm going with drafting for a gladiator, Zach Nato. In spite of him being really bad when he did come back, uh, and in spite of him probably hitting at the bottom of the Angels lineup at least to start the season, uh, I I am very concerned about both Anthony Rizzo and CJ Crone, both of them 34 years old uh, going into 2024. Uh, the fact that Rizzo's concussion didn't even get diagnosed until oh, months after it occurred. And then we never saw him again on a playing field 
is very concerning. I mean, there's so much we don't know. Like you said, have we heard anything about Rizzo since then? Uh, uh, not that I recall. CJ Crone, same thing. And I liked CJ Crone even before he went to Colorado when healthy, but he's had other injury concerns throughout his career. 34-year-old free agent. Uh, so I'm going with Neto here as who I would draft. I think he's the the most likely to get regular playing time the question becomes which one would i stream and i i think i'm gonna go with rizzo just just based on i think it's more likely after all of the time off hopefully that all of his uh concussion symptoms have gone away and we see him in spring training and back out there in 2024. Now we know he has back issues as well, uh, but CJ Crone ended the year with uh, back issues on the IL. So I think uh, Rizzo's my streamer, and I'm going to have to avoid CJ Crone. Although I am very interested to see where he lands. That's uh, be nice I, if he's yeah <laughs> yeah that's the Go thing ahead. crone there's way more wild cards with cj crone and it felt like one of those things where it's like nobody cared about cj crone until he went to colorado and then all of a sudden he you know shot up draft boards um when everybody knew where he was going to be playing there um and unless he goes back to colorado or you know i don't know why he would go to cincinnati um I, i'm not sure that much is going to happen with his draft stock. He's got an ADP right now of 553, way lower than the other two. Uh, Rizzo, only guy drafted in my gladiator. It's just one gladiator. I'm sure that's different um, than every other one. Um, but the, both uh, Neto and Rizzo are right around 300, like the 300 pick. I think Neto's just shy of 300 and Rizzo's just like at 330 or somewhere right around there. Um, and so neither one of those guys... Are I mean, both of them would be streamable, like in especially in a shallow format, um, whether it's a fab league and they get dropped right away when you know, it's not super healthy. And then it turns out, you know, they come back in during the season. You'll be able to pick them up. They'll be free agents. Um, but, you know, I, I agree. I think Neto would be the probably the safest one. That's, that's a weird way. <laughs> Some of these groupings are <laughs> yeah. difficult. It's, it's like it's you, you say safest, you're like, word, but <laughs> only in this context. All right. Listen to the context. All right. Let's move down to uh, so stay in order here. You know, no, let's go back up a little bit. We're going to go down to group five here, Kevin. Um, this one, we've got a little bit of a mix of players who, well, no, they all pretty much ended the season injured um with the exception of the first one here xander bogarts uh he ended strong uh, but that's only because he had a couple cortisone shots as we were talking off air before we started like he was very vocal about he's like no it's i'm cool i got some got some cortisone shots and i'll be fine um and then brandon low he did end the season on the il but with a fractured right patella um after getting hit there um and then jose miranda had surgery on his right shoulder in mid-September. He's also right-handed, something to keep in mind. Um, so both those guys did end the season with some surgeries under their belt, um, both reportedly going to be ready for spring training or at least the opening day. Xander Bogarts, no surgery, um, but continuous concerns about the possibility of working through injuries through, throughout, throughout uh 
working through injuries throughout the season rather than, you know, trying to figure it out. So uh, how would these guys end up landing in your your draft eyes, um, depending on your format? Uh, Bogarts is the easy one to draft in a gladiator for me. I know he started off the season slowly. And yes, like like you said, and like we talked earlier, he, he brought it up this season. He's like, yeah, this is... Uh, this happens every year. I get this second cortisone shot and I'm good to go the rest of the season. Well, hopefully they figure out a way to get him ready to go at the beginning of the season because he was amazing when he, after that, for like you said, finished very strong. So I like Bogarts here. I, I have drafted him in at least two of the three drafts I've done, uh, possibly all three, but I, I think just two. Uh, I'm taking the discount there for sure. I think my streamer here is Miranda. I, I've always liked Brandon Lau a little bit, but uh, he's so streaky, which you would say that makes him a, a nice streamer, but the the injuries off and on over the past couple of years, I, I think uh, Miranda should be good to go after his surgery. And uh, I, I think the, the, the twins have big plans for Miranda. So I, I, I think we... I think he's my streamer in this exercise. Bogart's definitely the one I'm drafting of the three. Um, I like Brandon Lau, but he's the one I'll let go here. Yeah, there's just a little bit of a headache. Um, and a lot of these guys we talked about. He's more than a little bit of a headache. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also just the pain and remembering which one's low and which one's low. Um, That's just there part of the go. headache. <laughs> yes. Um. Just imagine all three of those guys on the same team. Oh, that's right. They were at they one were. point all on the same <laughs> team. Uh, yeah. And um, it's just, it's the constant concern of injuries. And then also not only that, but playing in Tampa where you're just not, not knowing what kind of playing time is going to get when healthy, never mind. Right. Um, there was talk in 2023 yeah. when healthy that he's just a platoon bat. Mm-hmm. fortunately strong side but uh we we know that's how tampa likes to work sure um uh, i i believe if i'm not mistaken i did take a shot on lao in my gladiator or maybe that was my uh fab league i swear i did i guess not no it wasn't me um oh wait that's right i was i think i was considering him at the very end uh, and took Eugenio Suarez instead. Nobody. Oh no, I did take Brandon Low <laughs> many rounds before <laughs> Eugenio Suarez um, at the top of the 17th round. So at that 16, 17 turn, um, he's my starting second baseman um, because that seems to be the, the thing I do this year is I wait all the way until the very end of a draft to find my second baseman. Um, I don't know how that's going to work out for me. We will obviously find out um, second base, not the easiest, especially in a gladiator uh to fill um with somebody who's going to play every single day all right let's go back up real quick um before we get to the the fun one at the end go back up to group three here kevin um guys are going you know much later in drafts these guys are all pretty much available everywhere um at any time you want um whether or not you actually want to draft them or not you know we'll find out at least how kevin feels uh dylan carlson he ended the season on this being transferred to the 60 day il as he nursed his injured ankle uh taylor ward of course everybody remembers getting hit in the face had facial surgery short after that in early august 
Um, and he missed the rest of the season with uh, recovering from that issue. Jake Fraley surgery on the on his fourth toe. I loved reading this one. It's a very, very specific which toe it was. It's fourth toe <laughs> on his left foot in early October. I'll be honest. I couldn't even find why what was wrong with this toe he but he have to have surgery on on the fourth toe i'm not sure what happened um you guys can find <laughs> i'm gonna look it up after this um i i remember I, I think my mom when i was a little kid like broke her like little baby toe and it's like you can't do anything with it it's like okay yeah. <laughs> you just hope there's nothing you can do about that little toe so this is the fourth one it's a little bit more important than the baby toe um and so you got to take care of it. And Jake Fraley is doing that um, after he recovers from his surgery on it. So Dylan Carlson, Taylor Ward, Jake Fraley. Uh, what do you got, Kevin? I think just because of the crowded outfield, um, I think Fraley is my avoid. So I'm going to start there just to get one out of the way. I think we got TJ Friedel, Spencer Steer, Will Benson, uh, there is a DH spot, but they have so many infielders. If if they want Ellie De La Cruz, Noel V. Marte, Jonathan India, Matt McClain all playing, uh, they got to use up that DH spot. Uh, Fraley's going to get some at-bats, but uh, he, he's not going to be an everyday player. So that's where I'm going to start just to narrow this down a little bit. And then it's pretty easy for me because Dylan Carlson hasn't even been good when he is healthy yet in his career. And it hasn't been a short amount of time. We've been seeing this for what, four, four seasons now, uh, major league at bats. So, and we have seen Taylor Ward be good. Very good. So yes. Taylor Ward is my, <laughs> my, uh, my draft, uh, Carlson, my avoid or, Oh, gosh, one of these has got to be my streamer, actually. I, I made this harder on myself. I think Fraley's my streamer, then, uh, not my avoid. I'm avoiding Carlson. Fraley is my streamer uh, due to um, playing time, and hopefully we, we see a pattern of when they get him in games, and there will be certain uh, matchups and platoon advantages we can take advantage of throughout the season as a streamer. So that's the way I will uh, roll there. Yeah, I don't want to have anything to do with Dylan Carlson. Yeah, I mean, of course, you, you like seeing Fraley in Cincinnati, but you know, you only when you have so many mouths to feed, as you mentioned, um, it does make you concerned about how much. And so, there are trade rumors with Cincinnati have been since the since last season. If somebody gets moved, that could really help Jake Fraley, and then he it can help whoever doesn't get guy. moved. Yeah, yeah, he could become the draft guy. <laughs> Or if he is moved to another team. Like, Fair enough. Yeah. Of course, he'd I miss mean, that ballpark. But but if you get, you know, you can volume your way to just as much, if not more, production uh, with a full-time yeah. gig. Exactly. All right. Let's end it here with the, it's like the Captain Obvious grouping. Um, I don't even have, I don't even have notes. I'm just like, these are just guys that you just know either are hurt as we're talking, will get hurt when we stop recording or at some point in the season will be hurt. Byron Buxton, UT only Byron Buxton is on the list here. Um, he wants to play outfield again. He wants to go back to center field um, in 2024. So we'll see how long it takes him to get the eligibility back after, um, after playing 10 games um, for the twins in the outfield, if they give him that opportunity. 
his teammate Carlos Correa, who had to sign with three different teams in an offseason just because of injury concerns um, moving forward. And then Tyler O'Neill, who not only can't stay healthy, uh, can't seem to you know get on the right side of um, now new management, obviously, in St. Louis, uh, but they also have a crowded uh, spot in the in, in their outfield as well. Um, Byron Buxton, Carlos Correa, Tyler O'Neill. You do have to draft one of these guys in a gladiator to start all season long. Um, of course, you can avoid one of them and you can stream the other one. Who you got? Um, this time I'm going to go with my avoid first and actually stick with it. I dropped Carlos Correa mid season last year or in the second half in a keeper league. Just dropped him. Uh, even when healthy, he wasn't producing. So I, I let him go. He's my avoid here. Both of the others, I think, have more potential than him when healthy. The question becomes, which one is more valuable knowing you're not going to get 600 plate appearances? Probably from either one. There's a possibility one of them spikes a season here. Tyler O'Neill may have already done that in 2021, but that was 34 home runs and 15 stolen bases. I think I'm drafting him. And then it, it comes back to the, the UT only with Buxton. If I have to leave him in my lineup, if it's a gladiator, or even if it's a fab league and I have to put him in my lineup, uh, I am not opposed to drafting UT only guys and drafting them early. The, uh, you know, David Ortiz, then Nelson Cruz, now JD Martinez is, uh, looks to be following in their footsteps i i love taking the discount on those players but couple that with the injuries now they've said they want to play him in the outfield but that just makes it more likely for him to get injured again so mm -hmm. this is crazy and and we had a similar question i i was a guest on uh beat the shift towards the end of the 2023 season and uh, a mailbag question was tyler o'neill or byron buxton i went with tyler o'neill rest of season neither one worked out uh, <laughs> sure uh, the answer was nice shocker <laughs> uh but i i think i'm sticking with tyler o'neill and uh I, i'm not the most comfortable but comfortable with that decision we know what Buxton can do, but his his batting average has plummeted, as has Tyler O'Neill's. Um, and he doesn't run anymore. He ran more than I expected in 2023 when he did play. Um, I think if Tyler O'Neill is healthy, um the, the the 2021 season is 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 still in the cards for him. Uh the over 30 home runs and uh with the new rules, 20 stolen bases, even possibly. So, and uh, yeah, still 28 years old. I'm going with Tyler O'Neill here. The thing with Buxing needing to play DH is that Minnesota is not short on players that need to play DH. Um, between Kirilov and Correa um, and Royce Lewis and Byron Buxton. Maybe Miranda. Maybe Miranda as he, as he comes back from his surgery. Yeah. Um, so he can't necessarily play DH every day, and that either means he's forced back into the outfield or he's forced to take a couple of rest days, which obviously you don't want to see if you're drafting him um, in a gladiator or pretty much anywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, O'Neill has the most upside in the fact that, you know, St. Louis's outfield is not as crowded as it once was. They didn't tender... Uh, um, 
they didn't tender a contract to Juan Yapez. Uh, and you know, they've got some, you know, they obviously still have some mouse and feet. It's not a Cincinnati situation that we talked about with Fraley. Um, but if they do make any kind of a move, whether it's Tyler O'Neill getting bumped out or somebody else either getting traded for a pitcher or whatever, there's more opportunity for him to, you know, play as often as his health will allow. So I, I like that, uh, like the upside there as well as much, you know, Byron Buxton has MVP upside. We all know that because when he does play, he's usually very good. Um, though he's probably just not allowed to run anymore. Uh, Tyler and the Elise is allowed to run. <laughs> There's something to be said Hopefully. for that. All right. Well, Kevin, I mean, that's, we, we only hit on hitters. I mean, pitchers are so. There's so much more wild card revolving around pitcher injuries, whether they come back, what kind of production is. Uh, perhaps that's a whole nother episode, uh, but we did leave them out for this episode. Um, we will get to them in another time. But to close this out here, any other? Uh, I was really disappointed that neither one of our, our draft didn't fill while we were talking in the last hour. Um, <laughs> but hopefully I, we'll get it filled before Turkey hits the table tomorrow. Uh, and we'll all be drafting, but. Any other uh, words of wisdom you want to chime in with? Um, just a reminder. One of, one of the things that I, I like to bring up, things that we all know, but sometimes can be easy for to forget. Um, when we, we start uh, seeing more and more projection systems uh, come out throughout the offseason, be really careful about cherry-picking uh, players that have uh, much better projection uh, in one site than another. Uh, it's always something worth diving into and seeing if you can find the reason. And if you believe in that reason, then by by all means, that, that can be very helpful. But be very careful about when we start looking at multiple projection systems, uh, cherry picking the best projection for different players. Something everybody knows, but it it, it can be it can be hard sometimes. Ooh, Todd Zola likes this guy better than everybody else. Move him up my draft board. It, it, it can be tough not to. Yeah, let's let's also keep in mind that you are the one drafting, not right. The exactly. You have to make those choices. Uh, you can use whatever research you want, but you know it's still your choice. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for episode 139 of On The Wire. You can follow myself on the Twitter at 80 Gray. That's all spelled out. Kevin is at Hasting Kevin. Of course, follow the pod itself at On The Wire Pod. I'd like to uh, thank our sponsor for today. That's Factor Meals. Make sure you check the link in the show description to get your 50% off code. After all that, I am Adam Howe. On behalf of Kevin Hasting, thanks for listening. And we bid you goodbye.